this person like I, I don't know if this is the best like way to like um to start but like oh. I'll just share my screen but apparently this is the reality you're in right now this is talking in Melbourne. about Melbourne so these are the you tell me if this is true or not so like apparently police can enter your home without a warrant what you can only is this true can that's only that's, exercise that's what that's what they say that's what they say Apparently, the United Nations is against isolation for 22 to 23 hours a day for longer than 15 days. So, yep, you're pretty much, you're you're like the, the conditions you're under. If you're to follow the rule of law, is against what the United Nations says is like good for a human being. Apparently, this that, is this true or false? That one's crazy. We've got a whole heap to go on. <laughs> That that's only one person may leave the house. I haven't heard that one. It's probably it's probably okay. what they're saying. They say a bunch of stuff, man, and they change it all the time. And people like me that, you know, don't watch the news have no idea what's going on. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you hear whispers yeah. from other people. Jeez, I don't know. There's see, there's a whole list here. We we don't have to go through all of it. It's pretty depressing, but yeah, that's just something that caught my attention. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think if you did everything they said, you wouldn't even be breathing. You know, you wouldn't even be alive anymore. Like they're, they're just—it's just ridiculous. You know, um, there's a certain point where you realize that you have to look out for yourself. And um, what this has really called me into questioning is like, who am I obeying when I follow these rules, and um, what makes them the authority? You know, they wear a shirt that says "I'm the authority." But um, we only allow them to be the authority if we allow them to be the authority. And for me, I question their authority and their integrity. And I do what I feel is right, as I feel every citizen should do. They should follow their heart. But if we all were doing that, the world would be a sparkling place. So feels like a lot of people have challenges doing that and i have as well in my lifetime um so i know a lot of people if i started talking like this they'd say well you're suggesting anarchy and that's subjective they can they can feel that way and it, and it could lead to that but anarchy doesn't necessarily have to be a bad thing i think anarchy versus tyranny you know like there's so many different ways of looking at it this feels kind of tyrannical um that you know, this guy is telling us, like you say, if the UN is saying more than 15 days of 23-hour isolation is like a crime against like human rights, you know, we've been like this for six months here. So, you know, from one end, it looks like they're the authority and they're doing the right thing. From the other side of the coin, it looks like they're tyrannical. So it's like all about the lens you look at things. And at the end of the day, we as people do have to look after ourselves and make decisions for ourselves. And that's how I've been undertaking this process, having been in one of the most unique situations in the world right now in Melbourne, where I don't think any other city on the planet has had such an extreme situation, despite the fact that the number of cases and deaths are far, far, far lower than so many other places in the world. This has been the most extreme situation in the world as far as i know in melbourne no other city am i aware of 
has been on lockdown for more than five months or six months, how long it's been here. No situation in the world has been that intense. So we've also got to ask, why is that? You know? And then what's so funny is you're on the other side of the country in Perth where everything is like, uh, would, would, would you say normal? Maybe I need to throw this at you and see what you think about the situation on the other side of the country. On the other side of the continent. Um, yeah, I definitely don't think it's normal. Like, but yeah, like I, I wouldn't even know how to describe it. It's not normal, dude. It's, um, it's, it's just weird. It's, um, I don't know, you know, people, people talk about Victoria, like it's a different country. And to me, that's not, that's not, it's not, you know, you, you've heard of the term un-Australian. I feel like, you know, you, you know, that's a pretty big insult. If you call someone that's fucking un-Australian or you say that's un-Australian, it's like, whoa, like, fuck. I just think, like, there's a lot of un-Australian shit going on. And, like, Does it yeah, feel what like... is Australian? What is it, like, that makes us, like... That we don't, I don't feel united, you know what I mean? I don't feel like... I don't feel like you're part of the same country right now in Victoria. Does it feel like people have thrown Victoria under the bus as in people outside of Victoria? Kind of. There's definitely a sentiment in WA of like, we don't want like Victorians. Like if, if Victorians were able to come here, every, everything would just get ruined. That's like I can understand that. I can understand that. And I can, yeah, can empathise with that. There's... I don't know. Yeah, if you don't follow the news much, like the there's the, the no. big case here is like uh, there's this like uh, mining um, magnate called Clive Palmer. Have you heard of him? Yeah, yeah, he's I've like, heard of him. Big, yeah, big man. he has his politician guy. as well. He's involved in politics as well, and like he's gone and said like I don't know much about him. I'm pretty sure he's from Queensland. But like what my understanding of the events that's happened is he's sort of gone to the WA state government and said, because apparently we're not in like a state of emergency or something like that. So actually what they're doing is like shutting the, the borders is apparently he's like challenging them in the federal court and being like, oh, what you're doing is not constitutional and you, you got to pay me compensation because I've got like businesses in WA and because you know, people can't move freely back and forth. That's affecting me. And because you broke the law to cl- close these borders, you gotta you got to pay me. And it's ended up being something like the amount he's requesting amounts to about like twelve thousand dollars for every uh, for every citizen in in WA. That's the number that gets like hyped around, hyped up in the media. And like, yeah, I've seen like. And then, you know, it's all, it's all a big media storm. Like the media presents him as like literally in, on the front page of the West Australian, they put his head, like they were like, he's a cockroach. His head was on top of the cockroach. So everything's very, uh, what? hysterical. Yeah. That's so, um, informal or there's a better word for it. Like, you know, I think journalism is meant to be objective, right? And if they're putting his head on a cockroach, like that is so like poetic you know what i mean like so so partisan like what is happening with journalism like i've seen it all over the world it seems to be so um so biased like 
there is not that this like sense of objectivity that at least you know i've i've grown up with the sense that journalism should be objective or should strive to be objective as possible but i think that that example of the cockroach there's not even an attempt of integrity there you know there's not even an attempt of seeing both sides to the, it's not that i'm like standing up for clive palmer or anything i'm just saying that is that what yeah, it's I'm come here, to? Yeah. It seems like a parody almost. It is, man. You know? I almost like, I almost want to like find it now and, and, and put it on the screen because like. Name and, sh- name and shame image, the hey. WA press. It's, it's unreal. Yeah. yeah. It's so, um, but I think. But it I, sounds I, like I feel almost... like just the description alone, just, I think that just you form the image in your head like which is pretty yeah see all these things man and like yeah have power to like you were saying they're forming a lens aren't they you were kind of talking about that before where you were going on about it's all about the lens you use right and you filmmaker you know about how you know you use a wide angle lens compared to a telephoto lens it's going to make the scene look quite different isn't it most certainly you can make a a rental property look like the Ritz and then you get there and it's like falling apart and just one wide angle mm. lens is all it takes to make a place look really crisp compared to yeah. the actuality of it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So that's pretty much like, yeah. So that's my description of what's going on in WA through that, like kind of, uh, through that sort of, uh, description of events um but yeah i don't know i don't think it really does it justice you know that's just like one way i can describe to you what people what people consider important and what people are spending their energy on and yeah it's also Mm. also doesn't feel for me outside of like it like not many people in wa talking politics it doesn't really feel acceptable to most people just keep quiet um, and yeah, it, it just doesn't like, there's not like much uh, discussions going on at the moment. Like it's all very, uh, it's all very, people are just like, people are just quiet. There's not much to say about it, I guess. I guess people are just sort of like, you know, it is, people are just kind of accepting it and like, you know, we're just, I guess in WA people are like, you know, a lot of the a lot of the comments I hear is kind of like, oh well, you know, we got a pretty big state, we can we can go anywhere we want, but it's kind of like, where, where are you gonna go, really? I'm in Perth, and we're kind of like, well, you know, I'm not really sure. Go to Calberry, or <laughs> down, down south. Yeah, they're, 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 all, they're all lovely places. They're hey, all great options. Sort of like, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I'm not gonna like. I don't know how, like, you know what I mean? It's just like, for me, it's kind of like it's not. This climate is not very like holiday esque for me. I know there's some people who are like probably retirement. They're like, oh, I'm gonna go to my yearly broom trip anyway. Like, yeah, good mm. for you. But for me, it's like, I don't know. They're telling people like, oh, you can go, you can go holiday in WA and all that sort of stuff. But for me, like, I love WA. I think it's awesome. But it's like, I don't know. What am I like? I don't. I'm not. I'm not much into the tourism aspect of it. Hey. I guess it depends that's on your lifestyle. But that's like that's the like that's if you had WA. if you had the opportunity to work remotely, which to a degree because your background is in uh, programming or computer science, um, you you have a realistic shot at doing that. I mean, if you did, 
do that would you see yourself living rurally like um in like you know so many spots in wa like margaret river or some or would you still prefer to live in the city oh, i'd uh, definitely not i'm definitely not attached to the city hey i just think um right now i feel like i have this feeling that wa is perth if that makes sense and you're like you're from you're from here like and it's like not there's not many like we have a huge state right but like not 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 many of the other sort of places in the state i'm gonna say culturally have much of an impact right it's kind of like you've got perth you've got down south and you've got up north and you've got kalgoorlie that's kind of like how i'd sum up wa like it's a vast state it's a huge like huge territory right but like um i feel like of cultural significance right it's pretty much just perth right well yeah it's really the only city i mean geraldton feels more like a town in a way and bunbury does too and i think they're two and three in terms of population and there's like a big not, drop from that yeah. from there and Broome's not to small. like yeah not to i've never visited broom i'd like to go there oh, i definitely think i definitely think there's like more potential like for like these these other towns right i'm just i i think that's an area of opportunity i think like a lot of these other places in WA have been forgotten just because like, you know, everyone's just like, Oh, it's all happening in Perth. Like, I kind of, I think there's like an area of um, like uh, growth there. I think, cause yeah, these other towns are man, super nice. Hey, if anyone's been to WA, um, like you were saying from Broome, Geraldton, Bunbury, if you go like, it's pretty incredible, like, and they're all along the coast, basically, except for Kalgoorlie. But anyway, this is kind of like gone off topic. The thing that I was sort of touching on was like culture, culture, right? And definitely, um, Melbourne is like, uh, like a cultural icon in Australia, isn't it? As I definitely think that's what Perth looks to for its inspiration, um, as a city, right? I feel like uh, in very much so that um perth looks up to melbourne a lot and like you know people it's kind of like a coming of age thing a lot of people from perth will move to melbourne live there for a bit and then end up coming back to perth i've known like people that do that um Mm. and yeah what 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 do you think so special about melbourne and what attracts you to melbourne i can only say i've only lived here in peak disaster like so i've visited here when it's not been a disaster but you know what's really interesting about being here during peak disaster even though we read that list of ridiculous ramifications and um, we didn't even read the whole list no i know it was it was already getting depressing so we turned it off but um even during the midst of this uh pandemic or pandemic or whatever you want to call it um i go for a walk once a day and see that uh you know there are kids and their dads playing in the park. There are people taking selfies by the nature spots and um, that, you know, people are drinking their coffee with a smile on their face. So there is a really strong sense of spirit here, at least where I am at the moment, uh, in, which is near the CBD, but just on the outskirts. So not too central, but quite close to the city. Um, and it's impressive, you know, uh, that people still have such high spirits despite 
everything that's going on despite the climate it really it's almost like we're impervious to it to some degree you know i'm sure there are people that have been affected even i've been affected you know by the sense of isolation but because of my um career path i spend a lot of time indoors anyway working from a laptop so that it hasn't affected me so much uh maybe compared to some other people who have lost their jobs or you know have are not used to just taking this amount of time off a lot of people's work have been affected so it is a total game changer here but um you know i was talking to my nephew in the uk the other day and he's just gone back to work but he was saying like you know we would normally be begging for this amount of time off um and now we finally got it you know <laughs> like imagine like imagine like a year or two ago if i told you that you could have like six months off you know it sounded like a dream you'll get um, so and you'll get free you, money from the government if you look at it like that, you're like, wow, this is actually pretty incredible. But again, it's all about the lens that you look at. You know, you can look at it like this or you can look at it like this. You know, it's, it's however you want to look at it. There's so many ways and your perception creates your reality and colors your reality. So you can look at things with a black and white filter or you can look at things in, in full color, you know, so four by three or anamorphic, whatever you want. Um, so I'm seeing a lot of the positives and I think a lot of other people are choosing to see this they're choosing to continue forward with their life. And um, if it means going for that walk or that run once a day and, uh, you know, maybe just taking some downtime right now, it seems like the spirit here is too strong and uh, it will continue to, you know, be that's that way. And, and I feel if anything, um, when this is all over and things, you know, become better for the economy, you know, I think there's going to be this sense of unification and, pride and togetherness in some way because we have come through this together and uh, we can all relate as to how much this has affected everybody and there's that i think like a layer of respect that will be shared between us all for having gone through this for being in such a unique situation so yeah, I would say that a lot of people are very positive here. And it's not that I stop and have like really positive conversations with people. You can just feel the energy. Like I always say, if you watch the news, you think that Victoria is like a bombshell or like a war zone. Um, but really, when you're here, it's the total opposite. There's a lot of uh, positivity and a lot of life still being bred around. So I feel good about that. And I feel good about my general routine. It is a bit different, but um, yeah like moving with it and feeling good about it. So hooray to that, huh? Yeah. I'm hearing you. That's, uh, what do you think about the idea about this phrase about being a refugee in your own country? Do you feel like that's how you're kind of like adapted to life in Melbourne, right? Because your plan was initially to come to Perth, right? And then you just mm -hmm. sort of like adapted to Melbourne. I had to adapt. I think that was the weird part is that I didn't plan to be here and live here when, when I decided that I had to make the decision to live here. And mm. that felt a bit weird. Um, I think like it, there was like a shock, a delayed shock. Like it, it didn't really hit me and it hits me usually in the evenings when I realized that I'm, you know, I have friends here in Melbourne, but you know, in, in some ways it feels like I'm alone here. And, uh, yeah, that, that's, that's hit me in certain, and if it's, it's more like, it just feels strange. Um, and yeah. it is it's strange because like you say, it's like you're, there's this sense of Australian. We talked about it on the last episode, the Australian identity 
And um, yeah, there's been this, you know, I've been discluded from the West side of Australia and it kind of made you realize that it's a facade. Um, but I understand why if I was the premier or the chief of Western Australia, I probably would have acted in a similar fashion. Maybe I would have been a bit more open in the quarantine process. I think it's fair to let people from Victoria come over if they do the right quarantine and stuff like that. But it seems that um, even that has been like heavily restricted. That's probably the one thing I would have changed to give people the opportunity to come back, um, but go through that, you know, rigorous process to make sure that you are clean. Um, so, yeah, but I get it, you know, like you want to try and limit this, the spread. If, if the virus is a thing, if it does exist, theoretically, we'll say it does, um, you want to limit it and curtail it. So that's why I feel there's been this like strict um, decision making. And, and then we've just been in purgatory here because it, it's starting to look a bit better now, but it's been a real slow process. But if you look in other places around the world, like America, France, et cetera, like it's far worse, but like they've been way more relaxed about it. So it's kind of funny. We, our government has just been really goddamn serious about it like so serious about it. Um, and the one thing I've noticed over here is that having had many conversations with different people, a lot of people seem to blame the the premier of Victoria for um, making bad decisions. That seems to be one of the most commonly held uh, beliefs over here. So there is a lot of blame and people are looking to place the blame and their frustration and take it out on someone. Um, so, you know, that blame culture could factor into why everything is so strict here um because that guy the premier over here must be feeling a lot of pressure and as a result that pressure is influencing to make more and more um restrictive decisions um it's just so funny man it's like this wave we're all riding out as a team um and it's probably one of those things that we'll laugh about a bit when we come out on the other side but you know some days some nights you know are more challenging than others uh it's just one of those far out like you never could have you couldn't have even dreamed this up and then it happens and it's like you're pinching yourself to see if are you awake or is this a dream? Like maybe it's both. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I think you remember saying you couldn't have wrote like 2020 as a movie. It wouldn't work. Would it? Now the producers <laughs> would have handed it back. They would have just said it's too <laughs> realistic. It just, nah, this couldn't have happened. And it's not even over yet, Nick. We're only, um, nearly three quarters of the way through but yeah it's gonna feel like um a deep sigh of oh, i think when, when this when this finished when this year's over because it's been so unprecedented and so it's taken us all by surprise and we'll see how next year goes as well like i feel really good i feel really good this year to be honest with you but yeah i think we're entering a new world this is what you and i have realized and it took something like this to really shake the cage of the old world and uh lift us into this new place and um yeah this sense of what we talked about in the last show about instead of looking for the government all of this scrutiny has really led us to question like who is the government and like why are we letting them run everything uh i'm certainly making asking these questions and why have we left them in charge and should we start to take matters into our own hands in terms of like our lifestyle choices and what we want to do. Like I'm certainly coming from the perspective of instead of waiting for the government to give me a job, creating my own job, creating my own work. And that's been a really um, liberating transition 
and a mindset that I'm stepping into. And it sort of feels like you're in the same position. And I think this is an idea that's really powerful that can catch wind and um, sort of anarchy can work if we're all responsible citizens. Let me repeat that. Anarchy can work if we're all responsible citizens. If we all treat each other how we want to be treated, anarchy can work. Anarchy basically means we're in charge, not some appointed authority figures. Um, I'm hearing you. It feels like like you're baiting me into like being the devil's advocate and like I I I am I am I I understand like what you mean by um anarchy but to me it like uh it kind of aligns with um with uh like li- the sort of libertarian movement where it's like individual responsibility and like uh you know um minimal government right and it's kind of like uh all these like uh, all these um, sort of like theories and like ways to like organize and like govern a society like I don't know I'm not a historian heaps of different shit has been tried but I do know that like in every case of like a powerful state right they usually call that communism and it's just uh, it's just never worked and it's like you know talking about i feel like we're talking about some heavy stuff here and like you know we're talking about what's going on in um what's going on in melbourne and like drawing these like parallels where all our leaders have essentially become like very charismatic you're talking about the premier of melbourne is very uh criticized at the moment well it's funny because um i'm pretty sure the premier of wa is like everyone is like apparently his approval rating is through the roof and like it's like he has the next election in the bag so it's like you know um just the different same thing just like different side of the different end of the stick isn't it um and it's like you know people people like to i don't know look up to other people it's all it's all um it's all very complex. I think the thing where it comes to like anarchism or something is a lot of people say, well, the state helps us organize things. And I think the crux of this argument is kind of like, uh, for me where it becomes interesting, cause I've kind of like had this, I've, I've always been very like, I wouldn't say, I think we don't need a state. I do think like nation states, I, I like the idea of them. Right. Um, I, I I'm just I'm not a big fan of like the welfare state. So I've always been fascinated by like the the Hong Kong model and how Hong Kong came to be one of the most wealthiest um, places in Asia. Um, and I think it might have had something to do with the fact with uh, it being there's no welfare state and it's free trade and like very low taxes. So a welfare um, state is basically when you supplant income for people and give them money, essentially. Is that what you mean by a welfare state? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So no one in Hong Kong gets yeah. welfare. So basically, people with no money. That's are my understanding on... of it. Well, yeah, you just 
you know, you know, you either get a job or you know, if you know other people, you you rely on your family. Like, yeah, there's no welfare. Like, and it's like there's there's um, it, it seems like sounds like a pretty radical idea, doesn't it? Coming from like the place where we live in right now, and like a lot of people would say, well, welfare helps, right? But like, I would argue the opposite. It just makes people more dependent on it. You know what I mean? Like, if it wasn't there, I think people would figure out a way. Um, that's that's my opinion. And then it's just like, well, you know. Then the other part is the other uh, argument you can have, which I've sort of come through anarchism is this idea that taxation is theft because you can't have a welfare state without taxation right and like you can think about and these are sort of like more these are like conservative sort of views right you know you've got these like uh left and right spectrum people who are lean on left like more like oh you know we need safety net government help people you know look at these countries like sweden and norway where you know you get free everything and everything's lovely and it's like utopia um and then is it though? you know the other <laughs> the other side of the coin is like yeah like um not 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 empowering not empowering um giving the individual more sovereignty right and the idea that taxation right is something that is uh it doesn't um it doesn't align with the non-aggression principle because essentially what taxation is, right? It's essentially like a threat of like pay up or you're going to go in a cage essentially. Right. So, um, and then usually, usually the argument I'll hear if I sort of like would play devil's advocate about like sort of pushing this idea that, Hey, maybe we don't need taxation. And like the first sort of response I would get from, um, someone when I usually talk about this is what about the roads you see the 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 government um you know they tax us yeah right look no one likes paying their taxes right but look at these beautiful roads we have man we got the best roads in the world in Australia right surely it's all worth it for the roads right like how could we have roads if the government didn't like uh didn't if we didn't pay them to build the roads you know and my argument to that is well i'm pretty sure we had roads before even fucking we could write things and for, writing was a prerequisite for um for for um for government right um so yeah i don't know that's uh that's all i have to say about all that that's got to like that's sort of like my view on politics. I mean, they're just some things I know. I mean, but I don't have the solution. But, but I, think, uh, I think everyone's sort of like, yeah, we're kind of at a point now where we kind of like, I think the, the idea is like, for whatever reason, it's like if we have a vaccine and everyone just gets a vaccine, everything can just go back to how it was before. Like, I think that's the current, like, that's what helps... I think that's what helps a lot of people sleep at night and like it's just like you know i think eventually we're going to get to the stage where it's just like even if we have the vaccine it's just like this is um you know we're going to have to figure out new ways of uh organizing ourselves and and living as uh as a group of people right and um for me i don't know as for, i'm not like a historian by any stretch hey like like this, I should not be a person who gets quoted. Um, 
But for me, I just look at history. I just sort of look at, wow. All right. So most places that had free market sort of capitalist systems where, you know, the the government didn't get involved in things as much like let's uh let's just let's just use the great example of like you know the soviet union or whatever and like western europe and like you know i think berlin you know there was people like you know that was also like a similar thing where people were like desperate to flee to the west or whatever and how much like uh uh it was much more prosperous and much more um it sounds like to me anyway from the history books that you'd rather be in West Berlin than East Berlin. Um, and yeah, I just think, uh, I think anyway, we should, uh, we, we should look, I'm sure there's issues with that, heaps of things, but for me, the way I'm seeing things is like free market capitalism and, and less government is, is the way forward. But yeah, that's, uh, that's, um, that's if you want Nick's like tips on economics or something. That's the that's the road well, I would say is the road to go down. Well, if things were working right now, we wouldn't be having this conversation, right? Yeah, and yeah, yeah, that's right. And like, so there's so you can draw some parallels parallels between like free market capitalism and and um and anarchism, right? And and, and this part is is like. In, yeah, I agree. In free market I agree. capitalism, it's like people, two parties are free to make a deal, right? And if you're happy with the deal, you're going to make it, right? To buy something or sell something. Otherwise, it's not going to happen, right? Um, and that's, uh, maybe you can draw some parallels to anarchism in that sense and in the sense that you're free to make your own choices mm. and you got to decide what's best for you. And, um, yeah, overall, I think, you know, I, I don't know if it's radical to say this, but um, people thinking for themselves and just doing what they think is best for them, I think is the way forward rather than this sort of like thing that I'm sort of getting where it's sort of like this collectivist sort of thing where it's like you gotta you got to wear a mask or whatever you got to do for, for, the, for the greater good, you know what I mean? And I just think that narrative, we've, we've seen it, like in history repeat itself and that, that, that it's just never worked. Has it? Yeah. We don't need to name names. We know, we know the cultures yeah. even in the la in the previous century that, um, you know, adopted that behavior. I'm wondering if we're going to transcend this system, Nick, like a snake skin, like a snake peels off its skin and we just step into something new that maybe because when you use a word like, um, anarchy, people immediately fire their neurons and all these ideas come like just total chaos and things like that. So if you use a name for it, um, it can often limit the process of transcendence. And I can see like a decentralized world. I'm just using language to describe this. It can look like anything to anyone. Um, a decentralized world where we work more in networks. Um, we can still go peer to peer across the world easily if decisions and, and deals and, um, speaking needs to occur i can talk to someone in paris or um jamaica or you know istanbul wherever but ultimately you'd work more in a network within a structure of, of like locality and this network would focus on homeostasis and balance but prosperity as well so 
using homeostasis as a foundation to strive towards prosperity and auspiciousness. And so you realize when you're in a network and the people around you are not thriving, that the chain is as strong as the weakest link. So there's, also, there's almost like a way of like helping each other up around you because if I'm trying to help everyone in this country, I'm trying to help 25 million people and I can do my best, but that's a quite a, it's quite a task. If I can help the 100 people around me, the 100 that are around me are going to be, they're going to have their slightly different network to me. Like maybe the person closest to me is going to be networking with three people out of the 100 that I don't know. And, and as I touch that person, they touch the other person and we're all in this like chain link together. And it's a much more easier way to maintain a homeostasis around you. Um, and really, I think that is an internal revolution and it starts with each person and it gradually, gradually, gradually expands. So the more you look after yourself, basically, the more on a quantum level, the field around you, the people around you prosper. And like I say, I feel that this will just happen. I feel that this will just happen like a snake losing its skin, growing well, into it's something almost like It sounds like it's, it's like, it's either, it's kind of like change or, 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 or the way I see it is poverty because I'm seeing a lot of people in our generation are idling. They're not, um, I think there's a lot of potential energy to be used, you know, mm. and unless we start using all our energy to create, to build things, to do things that make us happy, to achieve our, our best selves. Um, I think if we, if, if we don't, go down that path, the alternative is poverty. And poverty is uh, usually causes other problems that leads to death. And, yeah, it's either adapt or die, the way I see it. It's pretty brutal. Um, Change or die. Well, it's yeah, the nature yeah. of our reality, let's face it. Yeah, it's a pretty brutal thing. And What more incentive do you need? It, yeah, yeah. But this, it's also... It might sound brutal and uh, um, a lot of these words and terms, like you were saying, anarchism, it might sound scary, but like, don't get, don't get too caught up in like the labels in, of in these the words. words. Exactly. Yeah. Um, There's a shift happening and if we fight what's happening, we become embroiled in it. That's, that's what I'm saying. I think we're looking for a solution, but we're looking for a solution because we continuously identify that there's a problem. When you let go of the problem, you let go of the bondage and you start being, becoming the solution, stepping into the solution. When you tend to your own garden on such a level, you start to create opportunities for others and you start to breathe more life and harmony into the world. And we can do this at this young age. We can do this at 27 and that's often when people are in their prime, in their late 20s, early 30s. They're, they're a man or a woman. Their cognitive abilities are peak. Their physical capabilities are peak. Yep. And, they, and that's because that's usually when we bring life into the world. You know, some people have kids younger. Some people have them older. But it's a very common age for people to bring life into the world. It's because they're in that ability to serve. They have the most to give at that time, which is why there's that cavity created where children can enter. And... Um, we often look to others for permission to do this. You know, like we tend to follow our forefathers. We are at a state where we can claim this for ourselves now. And 
we can give each other permission to step into that space where you start to raise your level of standards for yourself to start to breathe more life into the world rather than looking to others, other authority figures for this rite of passage. Look within yourself for this rite of passage. Look to each other. This discussion breathes life into the world. And if one other person hears this message and they step into that space, you know, through us tending to our own gardens and looking after ourselves, we have created an opportunity for someone else through creating this idea, which is what this discussion is at this moment. These words, it's an idea of a way to move forwards. And it's a, it's a permission slip, but we've created it through discussion, connection, communication, and it's an idea. And that idea is a seed and you can plant it and it will grow things. And as you do this, you, affect the people in your network and it spreads and this is again it's quantum physics again it's multiverse theory that as you look after yourself that spreads the people around you it permeates and then their lives become richer and as we all do this on an individual level gradually but quite rapidly simultaneously this infiltrates society and changes society and as we maintain our focus on this there is a brighter world that we step into now we're in this state now and it's like it's constant as you hold this intention for betterment and self-improvement the whole world changes yeah uh, i can definitely um I can definitely relate to that in the sense of what we were talking in, about uh, in the last episode about the possibility of a new renaissance, right? And like we were touching on how the uh, previous renaissance period was kind of like when uh, people stopped having faith in the church essentially about its views on science and people were able to explore some new ideas and then that just caused a, caused like exponential uh, growth of mm. ideas and people started to think more long-term values changed. And um, yeah, we were sort of talking about how it was a lot of the art and architecture that came out was an expression of that time. Right. And they, and, and we were sort of talking about how a lot of, uh, I was sort of questioning, I wonder how we're going to look at like what we think is like the, the modern architecture now that is like uh, highly prized. I wonder how that's going to age. Like I wonder how people like two generations from now will look at that. And I wonder if it will, how it will look to them, you know, it will speak to them in some certain way about the values of this time. How I can see architecture changing is people in a state of liberty, we'll call it rurally, move rurally and develop their own architecture on their land through their own sense of innovation and create, in a sense, micro-communities. This is what I can see. And um, within this micro-communities, there are, options to create your own structures when you rent in a tiny apartment in a in a city you know one it belongs to someone else so even painting the walls becomes a 
a process, a lengthy process of asking permission and, you know, striking up a deal with someone. It's interesting, isn't it? Because, like, when I think about it, the reason why most people in Australia anyway are living in cities is because the government's paying them to for a lot of people, right? Because we're in a state now where I don't think this is uh, unreasonable to say that um, you've got, I don't know what the exact numbers are, right? But Mm. I know there's a lot of people who are either receiving these like payments from the government in some form of welfare, or if they're not um, receiving payments from the government as welfare, they're receiving it, they work for the government. You know what I mean? So either like some level, either, you know, local government as your council or state government or top federal government, whatever, that employs a large section of our... um, of our of our um of the population right and that's what like that's why people live in the city right because um mm-hmm. you know you work you, you know you make your bread and, and you cover your costs right but i think like what you're saying is there's definitely what happens if that if that paradigm doesn't work what 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 what's the best what's the best deal then for me and for people, for most people. Um, and yeah, I definitely, I can definitely see the appeal in not, in not having a commute. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's a pretty radical thing to say because all of a sudden it sort of happened. But a lot of these things, man, like we've had, we could have been working from home fucking years ago, right? All of a sudden in 2020, working from home is this big meme. Um, but it's still like for the past five years, there's still been major investment in this sort of centralized approach of life. Like a lot of these cities that were designed before the internet, you know, even, even in the nineties, right. There was still some, there was still some people who were like, oh, the internet's just a fad. Like it's just gonna, it's gonna come and go. Like, and like, you know, like a lot of, I don't know, if you look at a lot of these Australian cities, they're definitely built like, you know, city centre, CBD. Um, that's where everything, like that's the fucking, I want to call it the Mecca. And then it spreads around from around from there. And then as it spreads, the suburbs are sort of built around the same model, right? The same sort of like Mecca model where you will have usually like a shopping centre and then that'll be like... Um, you know, you'll have houses around that. And then Sub-mecha. freeway, <laughs> another, another like five kilometers. You got another sub mecca, like shopping center place. You got all your things and then some sub sub mecca. Right? And, it, and then it, it's just kind of like that. Right. And that's how it's kind of just worked for a while. Hey. Um, and now it's kind of like, you know, and you used to obviously you used to go into your, used to commute and go into even this, like even saying this now, I know a lot of people are doing this today, but even it sounds kind of absurd. Um, And I think a lot of people like you were saying are kind of like realizing that. And like you were saying, our networks are sort of changing, aren't they? Where um, you can think, think of your workplace is a network, right? Um, That you, you give your labor and um, that produces something. And, um, you know, it's, it's, um, you can still 
like achieve those same results without being in the same physical location as the people you're networked with um, mm. for 40 hours a week. And possibly, maybe there's some efficiencies that can be had if you're not commuting every day. Um, and if you, you know, maybe we could use our time more wisely. And these, I think these are ideas that um, are inspiring a lot of people around the whole world at the moment, not just Australia. We seem to be walking this path of um, flexing the muscles of technology to see where it takes us. And there are so many different avenues. There are so many different ways it can go. Currently, if you can work from a computer, you can generate an income and you can theoretically live a more nomadic lifestyle. Um, sorry, not nomadic, um, rural lifestyle where you raise your own crops and your own animals if you wish and you build your own infrastructures and again we could even create micro communities through this this um, recent transition has shown that um, like a physical space isn't necessary for a lot of work to be done so we can try this option of uh, working working from your own space and um, yeah, it could lead to more liberty. That's what's so beautiful about this idea. We'll see what happens um, for many of us, our career vocations. Well, I, I think for me, more... it, yeah, when you talk about liberty, it's like usually liberty is a, like, uh, like a function of uh, efficiency, right? So if there's more efficiency, there's more wealth, and there's more when there's more wealth, um, people are more free, aren't they? Absolutely. Yeah. And there's been a lot of wealth disparity recently. Uh, depends on how you define recent. You'd maybe have to go back in the history books. But I mean, even in the advent of Wall Street, I imagine there are people that are very rich and there are people that are very poor. And it's probably the same in um, the Middle Ages and medieval times and such. Um, and it's not that we want everyone to have the exact same amount of money. Uh, what we want is a decent opportunity for a decent quality of life for every person. And if you call me a commie for that, I would just, I would call, <laughs> I would call that absurd. Like sure that parallels with communism, but it doesn't automatically constitute you as a the, communist. The thing, I think that's just yeah. the most, I think it's the most humane, innocent, um, gesture that you could make the wish for everyone to have the opportunity yeah. because if people want to live in in a shit quality of life you have to respect that but if people want a decent quality of life and that will look differently for people but um i i think if we can breathe we have a decent quality of life and then and then you start to factor in food and water and shelter and um and that involves communication and connection because the world is so abundant that we you know have the ability to provide that for other people and such and i think what we're learning is how to communicate and collaborate as human beings and we are using technology now to do a lot of our communicating it's how we're hosting this discussion and uh, this technology can potentially lubricate depending on how it's used communication and connection and discussion and can help conjoin humanity can be a a means to conjoin humanity and to ease the flow of information and sharing it can be used in the other way. It can be used in, you know, the positive and negative potentialities are there. 
and uh, really it's a an unfolding that's occurring and it could we could put technology down and go hey you know what we're actually incredible beings that have telepathic telekinetic abilities if we learn how to use our our inner systems and uh, you know we have such vast capabilities as human beings that if we start to play with our inner technology we might put the outer technology down because the inner technology enabled us to create the outer technology we can give ourselves credit for that you know human beings have created this we are the gods that created this technology so how we use it is everything really mm. Every, everything yeah no that's i think that's a huge um discussion right yeah because like um you could argue right that um for example like my my phone for example is an extension of me and what it does is it just enables me to be a human being that is like on a different level to human beings before they had access to this. I'm going to call it power, right? The power of um, at your fingertips, you have like all the world's information um, and you have access to more information than the richest king. 300, 400 years ago, the richest man who had a grand library in his castle. Right now, with just your phone, if you're homeless, you have access to more information than that richest king of 100 years ago, right? And, um, yeah, that, that, that it's like it's a precarious uh, situation because then that, that now is also like... Um, put us in this other place where we're like, well, wow, we also are very um, dependent on a select few companies. We call them companies, but this is also, this also is like uh, the power of language, right? Because we call a phone a phone. It's really a computer that can make phone calls. It's just the way we labeled it and stuck with it. We call, we call companies like Google and Facebook companies yet and Amazon yet I heard a fact that apparently just Amazon alone is worth more than than the entire Australian stock exchange so that means that this 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 one company has like the wealth and power that is comparable to nation states yet uh, they're not accountable to any voters or anything, you know, so I call them almost like these new sort of quasi like superpower actors. I don't know. I, I, this is not a person I'm not saying like, I'm not saying like, um, you know, there is arguments that a lot of people would say they're evil. But then on the other hand, a lot of these companies have made life easier for a lot of people. A lot of people would say they and, just have a lot of and, money. And, and, and brought and brought a lot of people together, right? Uh, it's like to help. They made the world a lot smaller place, right? Um, and it is what it is, right? Um, and we just find we find ourselves in a I'm going to call it a precarious situation um, where um, the best way I'll sum it up, right? I was talking about. I was talk. I was having yesterday a discussion with some friends about kids, and because um, we've we always sort of like that's another theme we've been talking about kids in this episode and the last episode, and like um, 
you know, about how we, I, I don't know, we were sort of talking about, like, what's the need to ever, like, hit a child, like, that emotional reaction, right? Like, of, like, enforcing violence to a child, I think it's, like, barbaric um, in a lot of senses. And you brought up the point of, like, what, what, what emotion is making me want to, like, hit this, like, you know, this child is essentially, like, a human that's, like, if you're an adult, they're, like, a third of the size of you it's like it's not fair in any sense it's not a fair engagement of physical force in any way um and anyway we're sort of talking about well the worst thing you can do to a kid now is take away their ipad or their iphone or whatever <laughs> and like yeah if the, if because the, the, they're basically like disabled if you think about it if you if you got like three kids and like the punishment is no iPad, the other two are playing on their iPad, exploring worlds, fucking building Minecraft worlds, collaborating with other kids all over the world. If you tell them, ah, you've fucking, you've not, you've, you, you, you know, this the punishment is you can't have that anymore for a couple of days or a week or whatever. Fuck, you give them their iPad back and straight A student. That's what I've heard. How are you raising time. your kids? How are you raising your kids is the question. <laughs> if you raise your child in the mountains and they're connected to the earth's frequency and they spend time with animals and in the sun and then you give them an iPad, they'll probably look at this thing, this contraption, and put it back down. If um, the husband and the wife are both working and the kid you know, goes to an after-school care for a few hours comes home and has dinner and the parents are both exhausted you give them the ipad because it occupies the child because you are filled up with so many things going on with your work day that to tend to the child's education and to give them the nurture that is necessary for them to grow into prosperous human beings human beings that are connected with themselves and human beings that have a sense of love and joy in every step that they make every interaction they have you know if if the parents are overworked and occupied the ipad becomes the solution so really once again it goes down to tending to your own garden and if you bring children into the yeah. world what 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 can you afford them what, what can are, you to them? yeah when, when you're talking about worlds and all that essentially these screens are portals into different worlds right so if the world you're currently in, right, is not very, you don't feel good in it, you're, you're going to find escape in the world through these screens, right? And I think that's what's happening in a lot, uh, in a lot of cases. And I think we've sort of, we've come to an interesting point in the discussion where I could suggest that, you know, we've all been asking ourselves, "What? What's Australia? What is it? What like? What? Where are we? What's going on?" I, I could, I could propose this to you, that uh, I'm seeing a lot of people, they go to what they call their workplace, and they spend it in front of a screen. With and they're obviously when you're in that, uh, we're saying they're engaged in a different world, and then they'll come out, right, and then they'll come home. And then usually they'll do the same thing and escape into some other world. So like, I feel like in Australia we're constantly running away from something, and I want to know what is it that we what is it that we're running away from? Because um, mm. that's what I'm that's what I'm feeling, right? There's just like a constant 
it's just a scurrying, right? I, I don't know. Like, um, well, we are we're running away from ourselves in, in essence. And yeah. I think back to um, when I was a teenager, um, there was one point, when, particularly when I was in high school and uh, at university, I would need to fall asleep to a feature film or a TV series just to be able to go to bed. I couldn't sit in that little window of time between your head hitting the pillow and you falling asleep in silence or by myself. Um, my anxiety, I probably didn't see it like that at the time, was too high. And, um, and this was now, before you had a smartphone, right? I would have had a smartphone by then. Um, yeah, I think I would have had a smartphone around 15 or 16. Um, and that probably would have been around the time that I, uh, yeah, needed needed assistance to fall asleep, you know, not just with um, uh, film and TV, also from the age of 18 to probably 24, marijuana needing needing that as a medicine to put me to sleep and you know it begs the question that you're filling your brain with so much information before bed i'm not saying don't do it i'm not saying it's bad um but it was almost like a need and when i realized that i need something i start to ask questions now that i have more um omniscience and i'm able to look at what was going on and now i actually when I finish my work for the day, because I have a loose work schedule, I usually finish in the early to mid evening. I actually, um, I sometimes turn Netflix on. My sister has an account, so she's given me the password. Or I click on YouTube. And uh, like last night, for instance, I actually really struggled to even watch something because I didn't want to. I, I didn't want to, but I felt like I, I should just as a, as a means, as a mechanism to unwind but i actually um didn't want to so i even just sat in my bed for a while and then let the you know the thoughts and the feelings and everything that was going on just like come through me and i just i just sat there and me and my friend were talking um sometimes he just likes to stand in public and if you're just standing in public you look like a maniac to a lot of people <laughs> we were just arguing just like hey screw you sometimes i just want to fucking stand in public or i just want to sit and i don't have to be doing anything but we kind of feel that we have to be we have to look busy or appear busy or look like we've got something going on otherwise people are going to start questioning our mental aptitude and our mental sanity but it's the same when we're when no one's watching and we're inside our houses it almost feels like like you uh, brought to the table that we're kind of running away and um you know there's a lot of people around me as well in my life that um if it's dinner time they need they need to turn the tv on or um if if uh people are chilling in the lounge room they need to put the tv on as ambience it's almost like a a comfort coping mechanism um to fill the silence um mm. because i think what lies underneath there is some um there is some energy that's coming to the surface and some of it's daunting, uh, I think because we're changing so much and what I would advise based on really, I'm just giving this advice to myself is um, to allow it to come through, to coax it through, encourage it. Um, if you're ever afraid of something, you're afraid of yourself and um, you're creating a scenario inside your head and you're projecting it outward and it's you that actually creates reality on a, you know, through metaphysics and then into a quantum level and then into a physical manifestation. Um, if that's too deep, I would just say um, gently, gently invite it in and see what comes up, uh, you know, in your quiet time, if you can create that quiet time for yourself. And uh, I think when you start to do that, you start to understand your energy and you start to understand yourself more. And then you can um, empathize with other people because 
the thing I've noticed about reality is there are highs and there are lows and they are both unavoidable. Um, the lows don't have to be, you don't have to be depressed. You just have to be able to observe them and let them pass through. And if you don't, they keep coming back with more and more intensity and more and more vigor um, until they get you and you, uh, you know, you come crashing down. So if we can face the lows, I think because we have been given such a highly stimulating culture, we often just seek more and more and more stimulation, but it never fulfills you. It always catches up to you. So when you can actually invite the low points last night, I would say I was depressed. I was depressed. Um, and then I looked at the cycles of the moon and it was a new moon and new moon often brings, cause the moon's influence on the planet is that it's weakest. What I notice on a new moon is there's often a lot of calm, but with calm is comes stillness and with stillness, you are able to observe what's actually lying underneath. And what I was noticing was that there was a feeling of loneliness um, from, from on my end because I'm in a I'm in a city where I know a few people and I'm in a city where I'm basically going for a walk in the morning, getting a cup of coffee, coming back home, working, um, you know, speaking to some people via calls. Um, and, and, you know, speaking to the two people I live with occasionally and then repeating. And there's a lot of good in my life, but it's a big change to the life uh, I previously lived. And I hadn't been acknowledging that. I'd just been getting on with it, kind of that energy that we've been talking about, not actually facing up to my emotions, not actually admitting that I might feel a bit vulnerable. And um, what I was actually um, deficient in was um, the word that came into my head when I was observing myself was maternal. Um, and we don't necessarily need a therapist. We can actually be our own therapists. And I realized that I needed some maternal love, but I could actually give that to myself because I know what maternal love feels like. I don't need a mother or a girlfriend or someone to give it to me. And I actually just started to administer. I started to inject myself like a morphine with some maternal love and it started to ease the pain, but I wouldn't have been able to administer that procedure for myself if I didn't actually look and see, oh, something's, I'll say wrong, but like something's out of balance, something's out of whack. But me, when I was a teenager, would have turned on and I would have watched the Blade trilogy or something and I would have tried to forget about it. But then I would have woken up in the morning and I would have felt that same lack of um, mater uh, maternal love and then that would have filtered into my next day where I would have got out of bed late. I would have eaten a whole pint of ice cream last night instead of having uh, a quarter of a pint or something like that. You know, and these little things filter and, and it creates the quality of your life. So... There is strength in being able to face, if you want to call it the dark side, and I wouldn't call the dark side the evil side. I'd call it the side of you where you are all the things that society tends to not um, celebrate, which is weakness, vulnerability, um, deficiency, um, fear, anxiety, uncertainty, which um, if you're ever in the process of, greatness and manifesting something brilliant or accomplishing something incredible to say that you won't experience uncertainty is an absolute barbaric statement because if you if it's something great if it's something worth it you don't know if it's possible yet and you becoming the process to manifest it is riding the wave of uncertainty until it is manifested so all these facets of the dark side are necessary 
to the light side and to becoming your truest self and to achieving greatness and greatness to me really is to prove to yourself that you can do anything and all these qualities of vulnerability uncertainty fear doubt are products of that so if we can actually face them and integrate them into our being into our existence we actually become stronger but we're conditioned as a culture to um suppress those do you feel do you feel in yeah, resonance i'm with that? feeling what yeah. you're saying 100 percent. and thank you thank you very much for bringing it full circle and i hope you'll join us again next time for our trip to the dark side of the moon see you later bye